Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2 this morning. I really spent some time seeking the Lord. Uh, I felt that, you know, every service is important. And, you know, let me just say this that will help some of you. I don't preach sermons. Reverends do that. I'm not a reverend. I bring messages. Amen. Amen. There's a difference between preaching a sermon and bringing a message. You say, what do you mean by that? I seek God. What are you? Not, not what do I want to preach. What do you want to say to the church? What do you want to feed the sheep? What, 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 what diet do you want to put them on? Amen. I mean, I see God constantly over that. And, and, and uh, of course, you know, some, some meetings have more impact than others. And the meeting that we had up in Dundalk, which was a pre-launch celebration, the Lord gave me a, a message on the local church. The local church there, uh, uh, we, we saw... Uh, a beginning back in, actually back in 1988, there was a couple there that, that raised up a, a church and uh, God had blessed them and uh, 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 I ministered in that church, I don't know, maybe even hundreds of times. Held conferences, my own meetings, uh, would stop by for maybe just a couple of meetings when I was in the nation. And, uh, you know, over the period uh, uh, of the last few years, you know, distraction can get you off the course that God has you. Amen. And there was just some distraction that came into their lives. Well, there was really another, uh, not any other flavor of Christianity in that city other than uh, the, the, the traditional church of Ireland, the church that, that's there, and this church that had been raised up, which had been raised up when the teaching of faith and redemption and the Holy Ghost and healing the power of God. Well, they, they decided, well, you know, we just want to do something else. We don't want that no more. We'll just, we'll just go find us a doctrine that feels good and looks good. That's what they did. It just emptied the church out and it stopped. Well, God still loves those people, though. I said, God still loves those people. And, you know, uh, God sent a beautiful couple here about five or six years ago. And God uh, deposited Ireland in their hearts, which I found was amazing because that's an area we worked for, for, for so many years. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, they prayed about certain areas, went to certain areas. There's an area that was uh, real pretty on the, on the west side of Ireland called Galway. And, and, and last year when I was with Brother Ryan, I, I said something to him that, 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 you know, you can say things uh, to people, especially if you pray and seek the Lord. And you may think you're just saying that, but it may be God saying something to him. And I, I just made a simple statement. I said, I said, well, Ryan, I said, you know, God doesn't call you to a place. He calls you to a people. And that radically changed uh, his thinking about his assignment, and then God was able to say, here's your assignment. And so in that, in that meeting Thursday night, uh, a lot of those people were from that church because God loves those people and wants them to have a place uh, to gather, uh, a place to grow, a place to evangelize, and a place to evangelize the world and Ireland from because God loves people. And I, I tell you, uh, preachers, listen, they're just human. Let me say that again. They're just human. They can get in trouble. They can get off. They can, they, they, they can you know, uh, sometimes people don't realize uh, the labor it takes to not only have something like this, but to, not, but, but to maintain it and then see it increase. Uh, this, ain't, you know, this ain't just some you know, user-friendly, seeker-friendly church where we're trying to have the best softball team in Galveston County. You understand that? 
We're desiring to preach the gospel to the world. And that's a great danger to the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, the enemy's always trying to bring pressure, trying to bring situations, circumstances. You know, people get offended, they get mad, they get... And listen, I found this out over the years. One of the most powerful things that God said to me in, in, in a real stressful time here pastoring this church, and it really set me free from something. He said, you know something? You're right. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, a lot of times when things go awry in a church, it gets on a pastor and they keep thinking, well, I'm wrong here and I'm wrong there and I'm wrong there and I'm wrong there. And I was praying one day and, and I'm telling you, you, when you pray a lot, you learn to discern the, the Holy Ghost, how He speaks. You learn, learn to discern uh, how Jesus speaks through His Word, especially when He gives you revelation. And you discern the voice of the Father. And I'm telling you, the Father said to me, uh, He said, now you're right. You're right. Now you pursue this. Now, what I've noticed over the years is that many people, they'll come into a church like this, but there's an intensity here. You say, what do you mean? Uh, one guy said this. He said, well, I, I tell you, I, I just couldn't go, I couldn't go to your church because it just kept coming at me. just kept coming at me every week. Just kept well, I want you to know there's a level that you have to serve God on if you want to really be an overcomer. I mean, it's not a game. I mean, because I'm telling you, the adversary's out there to kill, steal, and destroy, and you can't play some religious little game and think you're going to make it through, the, uh, through on this earth. You've got, listen, you've got to load up. You know, you've, got to, you've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to stay full of the Word of God because there's a constant attack of the adversary, especially in these last of the last days. Amen. And secondly, there's a harvest out there. There's hundreds and thousands and millions of people who they've never heard the first time, much less the second or third or fourth time. And we have a mandate upon us not only to reach our city and our area, but we've got a mandate on us to reach the world. And we're involved. It just amazes me. When I sit down and look at the ministries we support and what they're doing in the world, it just amazes me. Uh, Pastor Paul over in, 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 uh, 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 in the Philippines, they've started two churches now up in Nagaland in India. Uh, they've started another church in Nepal. See, we're connected to all of that. Amen. Uh, our church just started there in Ireland. Uh, uh, Christopher Allam just held, I, I've got some emails I need to read from him of a great crusade he's just done. We just had Egan Falk here the other night. We've got, uh, uh, we've got Jerry and Jana Lackey. And of course, we've got all the others that we support that are doing this work. But this work that is being done is causing hundreds and thousands of people to come into the kingdom of God. That just doesn't happen by chance. That happens through a church and through people staying with it, staying with it. I mean, and when, when something offends you, you just, you just say, I'm not going to be offended. When something rises up, you just say, I'm not going to get involved with that. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to stay where I'm planted. Amen. Now, now in, in Acts chapter 2, look at this in Acts chapter 2. I think this is good. Beginning in verse 41, this is after the day of Pentecost. This is after uh, uh, the 120 got filled with the Holy Ghost. And this is after the ministry uh, of Peter, the apostle. Amen. You go back to John chapter 20 and you see, and 21, and you see a, a, a disciple that failed. But thank God Jesus saw an apostle. I tell you, it's not what the world sees or says about you. It's what God says about you. I'm telling you, I'm nothing special. I, like I told the crowds in, in Ireland several times, I was just a surf bum. I was just a beach bum. How in the world could God use someone like me? He chose me, that's why. Just like He's chosen you and He can use you. Now, now notice what it says. We'll begin there in verse 41. It says, uh, Then they that gladly received His word. So there's always a group that's going to gladly receive the word. Amen. 
Now, there's people going to say, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I like that. But there's always going to be a group of people that will gladly receive the word. They were baptized, and the same day there were added to them 3,000 souls. Now, this is the first service of the church. Amen? The first service of the church, 3,000 people got saved. Now, if, you be a, if you'll just be a little student of the Bible and study the Word of God a little bit, you'll see that, that, that many... Thousands of years before that, there was the giving of the law. When Moses gave the law, the day he gave the law, 3,000 died. Amen. It was the law of sin and death. But when, when Peter preached the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, 3,000 got saved. I believe God's trying to show us something. Amen. It says, they had, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now notice, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Everybody say, and fellowship. Now, and is a conjunction which keeps the two together. That they continued in the word, that's the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship. Listen, every time we have a church service, that's a fellowship service. That's where you get together with people, you shake a hand, you greet somebody, you make a new friend, you fellowship together. Fellowship outside of the word can get you in trouble. You say, what do you mean get you in trouble? Well, I mean, when you try to, when you try to uh, get people together and there's no authority, there's no structure of any kind, and then you try to do something spiritual, I'm telling you, the adversary will always show up to try to make a mess of it. Amen. Now, there's nothing wrong with going out to dinner with friends and, and having people over to, you know, uh, eat a meal and do this and that. I'm talking about people say, well, you know, I like coming to the church, but I think I'm going to have a little meeting over at my house. You better be careful. You say, why? Because if you do not have the structure of that which God has put into the church and you go outside of that to do something, the adversary will always oblige you. Amen. Amen. You say, you wouldn't, how come we don't do home meetings? That's why. It works real good in Korea. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there was one of the largest churches in the world grew up by cell groups. But it didn't work that good in the United States. We're too independent. People are too independent in this nation. So the best thing to do is to gather people together and put some structure into it, the structure of the church, the structure of the Word of God, and the structure of the Spirit. That keeps everybody nice and safe. And I've seen some of the goofiest things happen at home meetings. Because someone can have an unction to function and want to prophesy to everybody, cast devils out everybody, and next thing you know, everybody's got a devil in them. Hey, Amen. Have you noticed everything, everything in the world system, for it to function correctly, it's got to have structure. You say, well, you know, I'm tired of going to Kroger. I've had it with going to Randall's. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down and just get me some groceries. I'm going to sell them on the side of the road. I'm sure there's some other people who don't like going to the grocery store like I do. So I'm just going to get me, you know, I'm going to get me 10 loaves of bread. I'm going to get me a few bags of cookies. And I'm just going put to a, put a sign out here on my, on my car and park it on the side. It says grocery store. Did you know ain't nobody going to buy nothing from you? And pretty soon what will happen is somebody will drive up to you who has authority and say, what are you doing? Well, I got tired of going to Randall's. I got tired of going to Kroger. So I my own grocery store out here out of the trunk of my car. He'll shut you down. Just thought I'd help you with that. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread. That's actually the Lord's Supper. And in prayers. Everybody say prayers. And, the, and fear came upon every soul. Now let me read that in Amplified. It says a sense of awe and reverential fear came upon every soul. Now I want you to know, I know what that is. 
A lot of people don't know that what that is. I was raised in a, in a Holy Ghost church. God added our family to this church. My mom went to that church. She brought me. I was five years old. She went to this church. She'd, she'd been very ill. Uh, an, a, a, an evangelist was speaking there. This would have been 1961. That's a while back. Uh, an evangelist was preaching there named Kenneth E. Hagan. And I remember standing there right next to my mother as Brother Hagan and Mom and Dad Goodwin laid hands upon her and prayed for her healing and ministered the baptism of the Holy Ghost to her. And when that happened, God added the Martin family to First Assembly of God in Pasadena. Now, it took Dad a little while to get there. And he'd come sit on the back row. Amen. He was a Baptist deacon, so he'd come sit on the back row. And finally, Mom Goodwin waddled back there and got him and got him filled with the Holy Ghost. And he became a very rare commodity on this earth. You say, what do you mean? He became a tongue-talking lawyer. Now, if you don't know that, that's a very rare commodity in this earth. Amen. And fear, a sense of awe and reverence. Now, in that church, through Sunday school, through the teaching of the Word of God, I learned to have a very healthy fear of God in me. I mean, even when I got away from God, even when I was backslidden and, you know, experimenting with every kind of sin, you could, there were still things I would not do. I, I didn't do it because I feared God. I mean, other people that I know had gotten saved or been to a church or been to a meeting. I'd stay as far away from them. They'd come over to my house and want to party. I'd say, leave. Get out of here. Heard you got saved the other day. Well, it didn't mean much. Well, it means something to me. Get out of here. Amen. People who criticize preachers say this and that. But listen, installed in me was a reverential fear of God. And parents, let me just say to you, that's why we have children's church. That's why we have children's ministry. That's why we have ministry for our teenagers. It's so that you can be helped with installing that reverential fear of God in them. Because if they have a fear of God in them, there are some things they will not do. There are places they will not go and people they will not associate with. And the same thing is true for you. You ought to build in yourself a reverential fear of God. So when somebody presents something to you that's not of God, you say, I'm not getting involved in that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I fear God more than to do that. So they begin to get a healthy reverential fear of God. Fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. I'm going to begin to emphasize, especially now, that we're believing God for that $5 million break. I'm going to begin to emphasize Island Church believing God for major miracles. Now, it's not like we've never had any. Getting back in this building after the storm was a major miracle. We've seen major miracles of healing. I remember when we were in the little building over there on 45th Street, a, lady and, a man and lady came to the church, and she literally, her liver had been destroyed through abuse. And we prayed, laid hands for her. And I'm telling you, the anointing of God hit her. And she went back to the doctor. And the doctor says, where have you been? God put a brand new liver in her body. As far as I know, I think they live off somewhere else. But as far as I know, she's still healthy to this day because a major miracle was done. You have to understand, here, here, here in Jerusalem, over at Ephesus, the Bible says special miracles. Listen, every church that is of God experiences major miracles. It may be one in your life, one in your family, a miracle in the church. But I'm going to tell you, the miracles of God are the battering ram for the door of utterance. The more miracles you have, the more people will come, the more they want to know, who is this God that's doing miracles in that church? 
Amen? Then it says this. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now let me just say this. There was a money move. Everybody say a money move. We're believing God for a money move. But, but you must understand, these people thought when Jesus went up in the cloud, those apostles saw him. And he said, I'm coming back. Amen? Well, they thought it could be at any minute. They thought he may be back tomorrow. He may be back next Wednesday. He may be back in two months. So they literally lived expecting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That didn't hit like it should. Let me try that again. They lived expecting at any moment Jesus could return. We need to live like at any moment Jesus can return. Thank God for the blessings. Thank God for the increase, for nice homes, nice cars, nice clothes. That's all well and good. But we need to live like if at any moment Jesus could burst through that eastern sky and bring his church to heaven. That's how they were living. It says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking bread and from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. There was unity among them. No amens on unity. I said there was unity among them. That means there was common purpose. There was common vision. There was that which God desired to do. There was unity among them. Verse uh, 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. That means God was favoring them. Now notice this next one. And the Lord added, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now let me just say this. Once you get born again, God wants to add you to a church. Amen. I've seen people come I mean, through just absolutely supernatural, spectacular events in their lives. I, we, I've seen people come here and say, that, that have said this, I'd never go to that church. And through supernatural events in their life, they ended up in this church. I mean, absolutely amazing. Uh, they'd sit here with this kind of deer in the headlights look for six months. Amen? Not realizing the Lord had added them. Now let me say something. If the Lord adds you, don't let the devil take you away. That's the problem with a lot of believers in this kind of church is the Lord adds them, but the enemy takes them out. There should be just as a supernatural reality of God and His direction in your life that brings you out of a church as it is that brings you into a church. Man, I remember being added to Lakewood Church. Oh, my goodness. I thought I'd be there forever. Forever. I could see myself operating my ministry out of that church. Brother Osteen told me, "Who? where do you want to go, Rusty? I'll help you go where you want to go. I'll introduce you to people all over the world. Where do you want to go? You can come follow me. You can hang on to my coat. I saw myself going all over the world and doing it from Lakewood Church. I was added to that church. But it was for a season of time for my education. And then I met uh, Pastor Walter Hallam in a little prayer conference in Angleton, Texas. He was a speaker. I was a speaker. And he asked me to come preach in his church. Some of you remember. I know some of you. I see some of your faces that are here. Some of you remember the old funeral home in Lamar. What was it? Emkin Linton? Is that, was that it, Bobby? Was it Emkin Linton? 
And there wasn't 30 people in that church. And I preached on a Wednesday night and went home and began to pray. And the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to add you to that church. And I started binding the devil. I mean, I started binding the devil. I begin to say, devil, how dare you attack my vision? How dare you stand against what God's called me to do? God has put me in this world-changing church. God has added me to this world vision. God has placed me under the premier pastor upon this planet. And you're going to send me to a funeral home? <laughs> Amen. But see, I didn't know there was this little blue-eyed Cajun girl. Amen. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I found it out after a while. She was my wife. She's still my wife. One wife for one life. Amen. Still my wife to this day. And listen, we poured our lives into that church. We poured everything we had, our time, our effort, our money. We poured our lives and poured our lives and poured our lives. And I was preaching in a camp meeting and uh, about 2,000. I think it was 2,000, and stepped, stepped off of the platform and stepped back down to the front row. It was the last night of a camp meeting. And the Lord spoke to me and says, you are no longer a member of this church. He said, I have taken you from this church. Now you need to go start Island Church. Well, it took us about 14 months to do that because it was traumatic to us. We had worked 15 years to see that church become what it was. We weren't the pastors, but we were very close to it. We ministered in the Bible school. I helped with the missions program. I helped with the, with the, uh, with the, uh, 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 the Almond, the, the Ministerial Association, which, which Pastor Hallam and I helped raise up, which still operates to this day. Listen, we worked and worked and gave our lives and worked. And listen, our heart is still tied to that place. You say, well, how could it be? And because when God adds you to a place and you leave it, if your heart is not still tied to it. Amen? The, 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 the Smiths have come here from Tulsa. And from, from Pastor Mark and Janet's church. You can't tell me their heart's not still tied to that church. They love those pastors. They love them. I remember when I was walking out of Pastor Paul Chase's house in Florida. And he'd had a motorcycle accident. And Pastor uh, Mark had called me and began to talk to me about them. And I said, well, Pastor Mark, I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever the Holy Ghost says to do. And I'll never, never forget what Mark said. Pastor Mark said, if it wasn't Island Church... I would fight this with everything I have. But it's Island Church. And I know it's the Lord. And supernaturally, God added this family to the church. And I could go throughout this congregation and, and give you a, 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 a testimony. Where's our friends from Minnesota? Raise your hand. They've just moved here from Minnesota. Give them a hand clap. Give them a hand clap. Oh, they've got a wonderful testimony how God has brought them here. He's added them to the church. And you've been added to the church. You need to count it as valuable. You need to count it as the greatest asset of your life. Oh, there's always this little bickering and little devils and demons wanting to say this and that. But you've got to know one thing. Leah and I look out after your best interests. We love you. We pray for you. We pour our lives into you. Because you do not belong to us. You belong to the head of the church, Jesus. He is the one that died and rose again for you. And we'll stand, we'll stand before him and answer for what we've done in this ministry. Now, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now we're going to, we're going to, before this year's out, I'm going to teach you on your ministry. You say, why? Because we need to be daily involved in evangelism. 
I am all the time. I'm always sharing Jesus. I don't just wait to come to Sunday, uh, to Sunday morning, Wednesday uh, to, to preach sermons. I mean, I mean to preach messages. I literally talk to people about Jesus all the time. The other day I led pe three people to the Lord right in my house. Amen. I mean, you've got, you've got to become a minister of reconciliation. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. Amen. I mean, I know some of you have powerful witnesses. Now, we went, we, wave at us, uh, Captain Paul Stanton. We went fishing with him a couple of years ago. And he does this every trip, am I right? He prays, no matter, I'm telling, doesn't matter who comes on his boat. But before they go out in that ocean and start fishing, this very much impressed me about him. He prays, he surrounds that boat with the faith and protection of God, and he honors Jesus before he leaves. That's a witness. I said, that's a witness. That's a witness in this community. I've heard people say things about him, very positive, about how much they like him, how much they respect him. Why? It's not because of him, it's because of Jesus in him. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? Now, real quick. Oh, I've got good time. Praise the Lord. Go, go if you will. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Go to Matthew chapter, that's a good scripture. Go there. I've got about four other ones I could do, but I think this is going to be the best one. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, everybody say, they said. Now always remember, stay away from the they says. You say, what do you mean by that? No, you need, you need thus saith the Lord, instead of they say. They said... Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say thou art, it's Elias in King James, that's Isaiah. Uh, no, excuse me, Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now listen, he wasn't John the Baptist. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't Jeremiah. And he wasn't one of the prophets. So they were wrong. I've noticed that about they. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that about they? Whoever they may be, they are wrong. They were wrong. He's not John. Now listen, what they were doing was something very popular back at the time and very popular today. They were literally saying, he is a reincarnation. There is no reincarnation. You're not coming back as a cow or a dog or a bug or either another person for another chance, another level of enlightenment. No, the Bible says there's appointed one uh, on the man once to die, then the judgment. You better make sure you're on the right side of the judgment. You say, why? The right side of the judgment is to be born again, and when that judgment comes, you've already been judged on the cross, and you're called righteous. Amen. Amen. So they were wrong, 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 wrong. He saith unto him, but who say ye that I am? Now, I've preached this before, and you need to hear it. This is not a question. This is the question. All the other questions of life are a question. Amen? You know, uh, what am I going to do when I grow up? Uh, uh, where am I going to go to college? Uh, where am I going to live? Uh, who, who's going to be my husband? Who's going to be my wife? Uh, how many kids are we going to have? What kind of job am I going to have? I mean, there's all kinds of, quote, a questions in life. But listen. This is not a question. This is the question. Not who does Pastor Rusty say. Not who the televangelists say. Who do you say Jesus is? 
Because here's the, listen, this is the bottom line. You can get all the A questions right. You can go to right college. You can get the right education. You can, you can marry the, uh, the right husband, the right wife, drive the right car, live in the right home, live in the right city, have the right 2.5 children, have the right business and career. And listen, if you get this one wrong, it's all for naught. But the good news, I'm going to say the good news. The good news of the gospel is you can get all the A questions wrong. You can live in the wrong town, have the wrong job, marry the wrong husband or wife, have the wrong 2.5 children, drive the wrong car, live in the wrong house. But if you get this question right, everything's going to be okay. Jesus will make it all okay. Whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered unto him and said, Blessed. Everybody say blessed. blessed. Say blessed. blessed. Say I am blessed. And notice this. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father that is in heaven. So Jesus turns to Peter. Peter says this, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now listen, in this day and hour when everything seems to be so complicated, we have so much information. It's good to have something simple. Everybody say simple. Isn't there enough complication in your life? So I'm going to give you something real simple this morning. If you know this, not believe this, if you know this, number one, you have been visited by God. And He has revealed. The word revealed means uncovered from the source. You say, well, if I know what? That He is the Christ the Son of the living God. Now, about that phrase, let me say this. Of all other revelation in the Bible, this is the bedrock foundation of all revelation. Faith, gifts of the Spirit, Holy Ghost, end times, Old Testament types and shadows, you name it. This is the foundational bedrock revelation of the church. If you don't know this, you don't know nothing. Everything will feed back to that because everything feeds out from it. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. I love this part too. He is the son of the living God. We don't worship some statue. We don't have some tree out there we worship. We don't have some head in a jar we worship. We took Roland to see the head of Oliver Plunkett. <laughs> it's real, isn't it? I told you it was real. We don't worship Oliver Plunkett. We don't worship tradition. We don't worship religion. We worship Jesus, the Son of the living God. You say, why? Because it blesses us. It empowers us. Now notice this. Verse 18. I say also unto thee, thou art Peter. Everybody say, I am Peter. Now, you say, well, what relevance is that? When Peter got a revelation of Jesus, then Jesus imparted to Peter a revelation of Peter. Most people's problem in the body of Christ, they don't know who they are. They just, they're just going through life, well, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, and I need the Lord, I just need the Lord. And man, I tell you, if I could just get a prayer answered, I'd be, you don't know who you are. Identity Man, when you start getting a... This is the first revelation I got a hold of after I came out of several years of backsliddenness and sin. I got a hold of who I was in Christ. 
I begin to realize greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. I begin to realize I'm not a poor old sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things that pass. I'm telling you, my identity changed. Now, I use reference of being a surf bum or a beach bum. I use that as a reference so people can see how far I've come. But I ain't no beach bum no more. Amen. Amen. You say, why not? No, no, no. I'm the pastor of Island Church. Amen. I'm an international voice for the kingdom of God. Going around the world whenever God sends me. Doing that which God has called me to do. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I pray for people they get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you God works in me, through me, and for me in every area of my life. I'm telling you, when you begin to recognize He is the Son of the living God, then He will say, Thou art Roland, Thou art Leah, Thou art Frank, Thou art Todd, Thou art Alan, Thou art Ben. He'll begin to say, This is who you are, and this is how you fit into my plan. Thou art Peter. Referred to Peter. Then He refers to Himself. Everybody say, Jesus. Then He says, But upon this rock, this rock, He's referring to Himself. The word Peter is the word Petros, small stone. The word, uh, 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 the word rock is the word Petra, like the rock of Gibraltar. Now notice what he says. I will build my church. So I'm telling you, Pastor, Pastor Rusty's just struggling to build that church, just struggling to get that new building in, just struggling to believe God for that money. Oh, we need to pray for him. He must be carrying a heavy load. No, I have no load whatsoever. You say, well, ain't my church. It's not my church. I'm the under-shepherd to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have the authority. I have the, I, have the, I have the oversight. But in reality, this belongs to Jesus. And it's His timing and His blessing. And I don't worry about it. And I don't carry a heavy load. And I don't, and I don't fret and say, oh, what are we going to do? Some services we got, it's packed wall to wall. Other services it's not. That doesn't bother me. You can only preach to the people that are here. Can't preach the ones that aren't here. Amen. And when you begin to realize that Jesus is the head of the church and he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Listen, I've watched pastors burn up, burn out, rust out, do every kind of thing in the world. It's because they tried to do something they could not do. I can't make things happen. I got to let them happen. I got to believe God by faith. I can't nail you to your seat. You've got to have enough conviction in your heart that God adds you to a church and that your church is valuable. That here's where you can get healed. Here's where you can prosper. And here you can connect to a vision around the world of blessing people. Mm -mm -mm. I will build my church and the gates of hell, the strategies of hell shall not, will not, and cannot prevail against it. And I will give thee the keys. Who's going to give the keys to? To the church. I will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So number one, your question of identity gets answered in the church. Who am I? Now it's amazing how religion tries to put their label on you. I don't know how many people I've ministered to, both, both from the pulpit and, and, and one-on-one, and said to them, are you born again? You know, talk about Jesus. So you know, Jesus loves you, cares for you, died for you. So that you can be, are you born again? Oh, I'm a Methodist. Well, Jesus didn't die for you to be a Methodist. Are you born again? I'm a Catholic. Are you born again? I'm a Pentecost. Doesn't matter. That's not going to get you into heaven. 
The question is, are you born again? Do you know that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And have you confessed that? Amen? And when you begin to realize your identity, God begins to trust you with keys. Now, what do keys do? They do all kinds of things in our dispensation, in our generation, in our season. My goodness, we got a key for everything. Amen? Keys unlock. Keys start. Keys turn off. Keys turn on. Keys give you access. Come on, church. When you begin to realize, wait a second, wait a second. Man, I'm not of my own. I'm bought with a price. But I'm brought into the very kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of God is the method and the way in which God does things. God does things by faith. God does things by believing in His heart and confessing with His mouth. God does things by the anointing and by the Holy Ghost. But the kingdom of heaven is that which is produced by the kingdom of God. I mean, I've been in some places in the world. It didn't look like the kingdom of heaven around there. I thought, oh my God. These people are in desperate straits. But then we'd get up and start preaching the gospel. And people would start getting saved and touched by the power of God. We were way down in, in Honduras. Uh, uh, what was the name of that town? Right, Raya, Honduras. I'm telling you, it's just a little old spot in the middle of the jungle about three miles from the Caribbean on the border of Nicaragua and Honduras. It is the jungle. It is inhabited by my little precious mosquito Indians. I had to preach. I preached. They translated it into Spanish, and the Spanish guy translated it into mosquito. Two interpreters just to preach. So it was, it was Brother Rocky and, and Sister Yoshka that were here the, a couple of weeks ago. He's the one that set it all up. We bought six cows. Every day we killed a cow and fed the people. People started coming on little uh, canoes. They started riding mules. They started walking from about 20 or 30 miles around. And it took them about two days to get there. And finally, we had about 2,000 people gathered there. And I'm telling you, God began to show up and God began to show out. Man, I'm telling you, they brought this, they brought this lady uh, stiff as a board, paralyzed from the neck down on a, on a stretcher and laid her right there by the platform. And nobody prayed for her. Nobody laid hands on her. As we preached the gospel, she got up off of that thing and began to walk around that crowd and praise God. The anointing would fall. We saw 400 baptized in the Holy Ghost in about two seconds. Boom! The Holy Ghost fell and baptized about 200. I'm going to scream about 400. They had a man. I'll tell you this, this, and then I'll close. They had a man. He was kind of like the, uh, what, do you, what do you call that? The jefe? He was the boss. He ran cattle. He was a cowboy. And that, that, that crusade was a threat to him. Because it would call, if it really took hold and people really got delivered and set free, it would lose his hold on those people. He was, he was kind of like the mafia boss of that area. So we had a crusade platform built at the end of a jungle landing strip. Y'all want to hear this story? So they built this, they built this cru crusade platform. They strung some lights up. And every day he would gather all of his cattle at one end and his cowboys. And he would run those cattle at the crowd trying to scare the crowd. And when those cattle would get about 50 yards from the crowd, they would split just like this. Go around the crowd. Just start grazing. He did that day after day after day after day. But what was going on in the service? Signs, wonders, miracles. One of the greatest miracles is y'all can't preach there at night. The bugs are so bad, the only way to walk around at night is with a handkerchief over your mouth to keep from inhaling bugs. They're so bad. There's no way we can preach. I said, set up a meeting at night. 
They put all these lights out. They said, man, if you put those lights out, there'll be so many bugs. People won't come to this. We put it out. The crowd came and one bug came. One bug and made one lap around one light so everybody would know that God had done a miracle. And we held meetings night after night after night. And I did not know when we scheduled the meeting that we would have a total eclipse of the sun. And they said, people won't come. They're afraid if darkness gets on them. I said, listen, you schedule a meeting right during the maximum time of that eclipse. And I got up and preached, Jesus, the light of the world. And 90 children understood the message and got out of their seats and walked up. And one missionary, Yoka, one missionary came up and got saved. And we saw hundreds saved. And the last night, I gave the altar call. And the crowd parted. And that jefe came down the aisle. And he bowed at the aisle. And all of his cowboys bowed around him. You say, why? Because when you practice the principles of God, the kingdom of God is in operation. The kingdom of heaven comes down anywhere on this planet. And the same thing's true here in Galveston. We see it happen. Everybody say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Questions get answered. Revelations come. Yeah, that's it. And you find your identity. You're part of something that Jesus builds. Now let me just say this. When you begin to discover who you really are in Christ, that so radically changes your life. A lot of places in the world, people want a national move. They want, well, we want something unique to our nation, unique to our culture. God never does that. God never does that. What God does is He imparts His culture. There is a God culture. Amen? And your identity is connected to so many different variables in life. It begins with your birth onto the planet. You're given an identity. You're either uh, classified as a male or a female. Amen? Then you, you, you gain uh, an ethnic identity. You know, you could be, uh, your, your identity could be African, it could be Asian, it could be Hispanic, it could be Caucasian, but it's part of your identity. Geographically, you get an identity. You know, you, if, you're born in, if you're born in Texas, uh, you're not from, you know, that, doesn't, that means you're not from Canada. And it's amazing. When anybody ever asked, well, where are you from? We always say Texas. We never say America. Well, the Texans always say Texas. Amen. Part of our identity. But then what must sit in the, in the throne of your identity, which means nothing about any of your identity is any higher than this, is who you are in Christ. You're a new creature. That means before you're male or female, before you're black or white or Hispanic, before you're an American or, or an Irishman, before you're anything else, you're a new creature in Christ. And based on that, you draw your life off that identity. Amen? Amen? Now, in any part of your identity, there's, you, don't have to try, you, don't, you don't have to try to be a male. You don't have to be, try to be a female. You ever notice that when the enemy deceives someone to think, well, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or a woman trapped in a man's body. That's deception. We, we settled that around here a long time ago. Y'all remember when we did that? Some of you may remember. How do you, fi- how do you figure out if you're a man or Just take a peek. It ain't that hard. Now, you don't peek at me. I'm not going to peek at you. Amen. But it ain't that hard to figure out. Amen. And then your, your, your ethnic idea, just take a look at your skin. 
I'd love to, I'd love to have dark skin. I mean, I think that is so, I mean, we used to, Alan and I and, and some of those, we'd, you know, in the spring, this time of the year, we'd be beet red because we didn't believe in any suntan oil or what is sun, sunscreen or that. But by, by, I remember by about July, we'd be just deep brown with white hair, just bleached out. <laughs> Amen. And it's amazing. You say, well, people don't really want to be dark skinned. Well, go look at the drugstore <laughs> and all the products they sell. And you can even go now to places where they'll spray you. <laughs> Make you look like a carrot, you know. Now, if you do that, I'm just kidding, you know. <laughs> Amen. And then there's people that are just so, you know, their geographical location. I, I'm from blah, you know, and I, I mean, they'll let you know it too. But I'm telling you, every other identity of your life will bow to who you are in Christ. Because you can challenge every idea. I'm not going to die. You challenge me. You say, if you're not a man, I'm telling you, if you don't deny you're a man, I'm going to shoot you. Then just, you know, go ahead and I'll look for my purse and that may satisfy you. You say, well, if you don't, if you don't deny that you're a white boy, uh, uh, then I'll shoot you. I'll say, well, you know, what's happening? You know, whatever you need. I'll, I'll you know, glory adios. I don't care. Whatever it takes. Amen. If you say, you know, if you don't deny you're American, I'll shoot. I say, well, you know, welcome to Ireland or the Philippines or wherever, whatever you want me to be. But if you were to say, deny that you're blood-bought, deny that you're born again, I'm going to tell you, honey, go ahead and pull the trigger for it to be absent from the body is to be present with him. That's why you got to stay in the church because it t completely, totally reinforces your identity. Every time you come, you worship. You're in unity. You start getting revelation from the Word. God begins to bless you. You connect through giving. You give your time, your effort, your money. As you do that, you connect with the kingdom of God, and God brings the kingdom of heaven into your life. That's why the church you go to, the church you're added to, it's worth it to stay there and fight the fights the social fights, the personality fights, all the little fights you got to fight. You just got to fight them. I've, I've said this for years. You're either fighting to stay here or you're fighting to leave. Some people, they fight for five years to get out. They fight for 10 years to get out. They fight for 12 years to get out. I'm telling you, fight to stay. Don't fight to leave and God will bless you. Amen. You love the Lord. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.